Chapter thirty four of Agincourt, a romance by George Payne Rainsford James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Recompense. Oh, what a moment it was when, after seeing the wreck of the mill drift by, Richard of Woodville again held Mary Grey to his heart. He cared not who witnessed his emotions. He thought not of the crowd around. He thought not of her father's presence, or of the letter he had received on the preceding night. All he remembered, all he felt, was that she was saved, and the knowledge of the dreadful death that had just overtaken those who had perished by their own obstinacy added to the joy of that overpowering feeling, notwithstanding the horror of their fate. Bearing her rather than leading her, her lover brought Mary to the shelter of the trees, for though the storm had somewhat abated, the rain was still coming down heavily, and there, while the tears poured fast from her beautiful eyes, one or two of the stout English archers, who had known her well at Dunbury, came quietly up and kissed her hand. The Count of St. Paul and his men stood looking on. Sir John Grey gazed upon the lover and the lady with a silent smile, and they themselves spoke not for many minutes, so intense were the emotions of their hearts. At length, however, after a few low words of explanation with the Count of St. Paul, the old knight advanced to Woodville's side and took his hand, saying, "'What, not a word to me, Richard?' The young knight put his hand to his brow and gazed at Mary's father in surprise, so different seemed his tone from that of the letter he had received. "'The surprise of seeing you here, noble knight,' he answered in a confused manner, "'the joy of having been brought, as it were, by heaven's own hand to save this dear lady, when I least expected to meet with her, all confounds me and takes away my words.' "'Surprise at seeing us,' repeated Sir John Grey, in a tone of astonishment, "'when you least expected to meet with her. "'Have you not received my letter by the post of the Count of Charolois?' "'One letter, Sir Knight, I did receive,' replied Woodville. "'But it gave me no thought that I should see you here.' The knight gazed at him for an instant, with a look that seemed expressive of doubt as well as wonder. "'Here is some mistake,' he said. "'I trust, my young friend, this catastrophe has not shaken your brain.' "'But one letter have I written, and therein I besought you to meet us at Givet or at Dinan.' Richard of Woodville replied not, but beckoned to his page, and when the boy hurried up, took from him the gibessière, which hung over his shoulder. With a hand hasty and agitated, he unfastened the three buttons and loops which closed it, and drew forth a paper which in silence he placed in the hands of Sir John Grey. The knight took it, gazed on the superscription, "'examined the seal, and then turned to the contents, "'but instantly exclaimed as he read, "'This is not mine! This is a fraud! I never wrote these words! "'The outside is from my hand, the seal, too, is seemingly my own, "'but not one of these harsh terms did I indict.' "'Then I thank God,' replied Richard of Woodville, "'grasping his hand eagerly. "'Nay, more, I thank the man who wrote it, "'though it may seem strange, noble knight.' but perchance, had it not been for this and the despair it brought with it, I might have listened to the kind friends who would fain have persuaded me not to risk my life, or, as they thought, to lose it, for men who were strangers to me. "'What then?' cried Mary, rising from the ground on which she had been seated. "'Did you not recognise us?' "'I knew not when I left the shore,' replied Richard of Woodville, "'that there was one being on that miserable islet whom I had ever beheld before.' "'I merit no guerdon, dear one, for saving you, for I knew not what I did.' 
"'A thousand and a thousand thanks, Richard,' she answered, laying her fair hand upon his arm. "'And far more thanks do I give you than if you had perilled more to save me knowingly. "'But by such a deed, done for a mere stranger, "'you show my father that his child has not spoken of you falsely.' "'Nay, dear Mary, I doubt it not,' replied Sir John Grey. "'By calumny and malice all men may be for a time misled, "'but henceforth, my child, no one shall do him better justice than myself. "'You judged from acts that you had often seen and known. "'I had none such to judge by, "'but should he need defence hereafter, let him appeal to me. "'This must seem strange to you, my good lord,' he continued, "'turning to the Count of St. Paul, "'but we will explain it all hereafter.' all at least that we can explain for here is something that we must inquire into as best we may this letter has been forged for some base end but by whom or for what remains a mystery though perhaps we may all suspect everything else seems clear enough said the count with a smile though i understand but half you have said yet i guess well here has been love and as so often happens with love love's traverses and in the end the happy mead which attends due knightly service to a fair lady. As soon as my noble cousin appears, though by my faith he is somewhat long in coming, I see his train, my lord, or I am blind, said the old man-at-arms called Carloman. Do you not perceive a long black line winding on there down from the hills, near a league distant, like a lean serpent? No very sweet comparison for a prince's train, exclaimed the Count of St. Paul, laughing, but faith I see it not. "'Ah, yes, I catch it now. "'Tis he, tis doubtless he. "'Then when he comes, Sir Knight, "'we will on to Charleville, "'where, having dried our dripping clothes, "'we will tell the tale of this day's adventure "'over a pleasant meal, "'and will inquire how this deceit has taken place. "'Has yon young novice naught to do with it?' "'He continued, dropping his voice. "'He holds aloof, "'and though he seems to murmur something to his rosary "'from time to time, yet good faith,' "'I put but small trust in the honesty of mumbling friars.' "'No, no,' replied Mary Grey with a smile. "'I will answer for him.' "'Aha!' cried the Count, laughing loud with the rude jocularity of the day. "'Look to your lady, Sir Richard, or you may lose her yet. "'She answers for the honesty of a monk. "'By my face, sweet lady, I would rather beard John the Bold in his house at Dijon "'than do such a rash thing.' "'But I can answer for him, too,' replied Sir John Grey gravely, "'for, though he be now my clerk, he was not with me there, "'and so had no occasion to deceive me, even had he been disposed. "'But yonder assuredly comes the Count. "'I can see banners and pennons through the dim shower. "'But how we are to journey on with you to Charleville, I hardly know, my good lord, "'for all but what we have brought in our pouches, "'horses and clothes and arms, and many a trinket,' "'have gone down in that poor mill.' "'I saw no horses in the stream,' said Woodville. "'They were in the court on the other side,' replied one of Sir John Grey's men, "'and it had a stone wall. "'The water was up to the girths when we got into the second story, "'and I saw my poor beast, with bended head and open nostrils, "'snuffing the tide as it rose whirling round him. "'He soon drowned, I fear. "'Tis but a league to Charleville, and not much more.' "'said the Count, answering the English knight. "'We will dismount some of our men "'and make a litter for the lady and her maidens. "'Hark ye, Peterkin, ride back like light to the castle. "'In the Florence chamber you will find store of your lady's gear. "'My good wife is not here, Sir Knight, 
but she has left much of her apparel behind, which, though she be somewhat fatter than this fair dame, God wot, will serve to clothe her for the nonce. Ride away fast, boy, bring it to Charleville, and lose no time. Now, to build the litter, lances may serve for more purposes than one, and green boughs be curtains as well as canopies. Quick, my men, quick, let us see if ye be dexterous at such trades. In about half an hour an advanced party of the Count of Charolois' band approached the bank of the river, but it was still so swollen that though the Count of St. Paul and the two English knights went down as far as they could, and the rain by this time had well nigh ceased, the distance across and the roaring of the stream prevented their voices from being heard at the other side. While they were still striving to make the men comprehend that the bridge had been carried away, and that they must ride farther down the river, the young Count himself and the Lord of Croy, with a number of other knights and noblemen, appeared, and by signs as words were vain, the Lord of St. Paul explained his meaning to them. He himself, with his own party, waited for about a quarter of an hour longer, till the hasty litter was prepared for Mary Grey, and then, with some on foot and some on horseback, they moved on towards the point of rendezvous at Charleville. It was a happy evening, that which they passed in Charleville, for there is naught which so heightens the zest of pleasure as remembered pain, naught that so brightens the sense of security as danger passed. All the bustle and confusion in the little town, which was not then fortified, every inn was full, every house was occupied, but it was willing bustle and gay confusion. From one hostel to another parties were going every moment, and the door of that at which the young Count of Charolois had taken up his quarters was besieged both by the townspeople and his own friends and followers. The tale of the swollen torrent and the mill swept away was told to the noble prince by the Lord of St. Paul and Sir John Grey, and when Richard of Woodville, who had lingered a little with Mary Grey, appeared, the Count grasped his hand with a generous warmth, which was very winning in one so high calling him frequently his friend, and then turning to Sir John Grey, he demanded, "'Said I not, noble knight, of what stuff he was made?' "'You did him but justice, my good lord,' replied the knight, "'and I do him full justice now. "'Well has he won his lady's hand, and he shall have it. "'Come,' cried the prince, starting up, "'I will go offer her my homage, too.' "'But why should we not see the wedding ere we part, Sir John?' "'Nay, nay, my lord,' answered the English knight, "'I have grown proud with restored prosperity, "'and my child must go to the altar in my own land, "'and with my own old followers round me.' "'Oh, slow age, how tardy it is to yield to the eager haste of youth!' "'But Sir John Grey added words still less pleasant "'to the ear of Richard of Woodville. "'When I return from the court of the Emperor, my noble prince,' "'he continued, I speed back at once to Westminster.' I trust that your expedition will then be over, and Sir Richard here may follow me with all speed. Once there, I will not make him wait. Such was the first intimation Woodville had received of the course that lay before him and Sir John Grey, for the previous moments had passed in words of tenderness with her he loved, and in long but not uninteresting explanations with her father. He had hoped that their paths would lie together, and without inquiring what motive should carry Sir John Grey and the Count of Charolois into the Duchy of Burgundy, he had arrived at the conclusion that the knight's steps were bent thither as well as his own. It was a bitter disappointment, for imagination in such cases is ever the handmaid of hope, 
and Richard of Woodville had fancied that, in the course of the long expedition before them, many an opportunity must occur for urging upon Sir John Grey his petition for Mary's hand. Now, however, they were again to be separated, with wide lands between them, and with the certainty of months, perhaps years, elapsing ere they met again. It is strange, it is very strange, and scarcely to be accounted for, that people advanced in life and experienced in the uncertainty of all life's things seem to have a confidence in the future which the young do not possess. They delay, they put off without fear or apprehension, they calculate as if with certainty upon the time to come, while eager youth, on the contrary, at the very name of procrastination, conjures up every difficulty and obstacle, every change and chance, not alone within the range of probability, but within the reach of fate. Perhaps it is that the old have acquired a juster appreciation of all mortal joy. Perhaps it is that the keen edge of anticipation being dulled in themselves, they cannot comprehend the impatience of others. That, knowing how little any earthly gratification is really worth, they think it but a small matter, not meriting much thought, whether the hand of the future snatches the desired object from us or not, whether the butterfly, enjoyment, be caught by the boy that chases it, or escape. So it is, however, Sir John Grey seemed not even to understand or to perceive the pain he was inflicting upon the lover, and as Woodville knew that it would be of no use to argue, he made up his mind to enjoy the present as much as might be and then with mary's love for his guidance and encouragement to seek honour and advancement in the fields before him after a few more words he accompanied the count of charolois with the principal nobles of his train and sir john grey to the hostel where the english knight had taken up his abode but as they entered the eyes of richard of woodville fell upon the figure of a poor disconsolate-looking boy who stood near with his arms folded on his chest and his eyes bent down upon the ground, without being once lifted to the gay and glittering group that was passing in. And pointing him out to the lord of St. Paul, the young knight said, He was one of those saved from the mill, my lord, and, if I mistake not, he is of kin to some of the men who perished. Come hither, boy, said the constable. Who art thou? I am Edme Mark, my lord, replied the boy, looking up with tearful eyes, and all my friends are dead. "'Then you are the miller's son?' inquired the Lord of St. Paul. "'No, sir, his nephew,' the boy answered, in the jargon of his country. "'Faith, then, we must do something for you,' rejoined the nobleman. "'Will you ride with me and be my custelier, or with that knight?' "'I would rather go with him,' cried the boy, pointing to the young Englishman, "'for he saved my life.' "'Well, then, take him with you, Sir Richard,' said the Lord of St. Paul. "'You want to swell your band.' "'Good faith, I have need, my lord,' answered Richard of Woodville, "'for the three men I left behind me when I came from Ghent have never rejoined me. "'I saw some Englishmen with the Count's train in the court of his hostel,' replied the lord of St. Paul. "'I knew them by their flat cuirasses and their long arrows.' Oh, "'I mark them not,' answered Richard of Woodville, "'but I will go and see. Come hither with me, boy,' he continued." and followed by the lad he retrod his steps in haste to the inn where he had found the count in the court he saw nothing but flemings and burgundians but in the stables tending their horses he found the three men whom he sought and who now informed him in the brief and scanty words of the english peasant that they had escorted ella brune to bruges and there had left her she having assured them that she was safe 
and required their protection no farther. They had then immediately returned to Ghent, for they had never received the written order which their leader had sent to them, and having obtained speech of the Count of Charolois, they accompanied him on his expedition, according to his commands. Richard of Woodville mused over this intelligence for some minutes, and then, after placing the boy Edme in their hands, with orders to take care of him, he hurried back to her he loved. For three or four days Sir John Grey took advantage of the escort of the Count of Charolois, on his journey towards the imperial court, purchasing horses and clothing where he could find them, to supply the place of those lost in the torrent. During that time, as may be supposed, Richard of Woodville was constantly by Mary's side, and it passed happily to both. Nor did any incident occur, worthy of record here, till they reached the town of Bar, where they were destined to part. The last conversation that took place between them ere they separated was in regard to Ella Brune, led on by a half-jesting question addressed to Mary by her lover, if she had really never felt jealousy or doubt when so many suspected. "'Neither, Richard,' she answered. "'I would not suspect you, and besides, I had myself told that poor girl that I would never doubt or be jealous, and I blamed you to her, Richard, for not taking her when first she sought to go.' "'She seems to have the gift of winning confidence, my Mary,' replied the young knight, "'and a blessed gift it is. "'Tis only gained by deserving it, Richard, and not always then,' answered Mary Markham. "'But one cannot well doubt her either. "'When one sees a clear stream flowing on abundantly, "'we judge that the source is pure, "'and all her thoughts gushed so limpid from the heart. "'We cannot doubt that heart to be unpolluted too.' "'Would that we knew where she is, my Mary,' said Richard of Woodville thoughtfully. "'I fear for her much, left in the same land with that base villain who has so persecuted her, and of whose dark wiles there seems no end.' "'She is safe, she is safe,' exclaimed the lady. "'I have heard of her since she departed. She is safe, and with friends able and willing to protect her, I know. But I fear indeed that what you say is true in regard to that traitor, Simeon of Royden.' Do you doubt, Richard, that this forged letter from my father was some contrivance of his? And yet, answered Woodville, we can by no means trace it to him. The messenger declares he brought the packet as he received it. The Count says he placed your father's and his own together, and gave them to his page, who, in turn, vows he carried them straight to the messenger. It is strange indeed, said Mary, but as to poor Ella, she is safe, and wherever I am, "'I will do my best to befriend her, Richard.' "'They were alone, and he pressed her to his heart "'with feelings far brighter, far tenderer than mere passion. "'For beauty is but the expression of excellence, "'and when we find the substance, "'oh, how much more deeply we love it than the picture. "'The fairest features that ever were chiselled by the hand of nature, "'the sweetest form that ever woke wild emotions in the breast, "'could never have produced in the heart of Richard of Woodville, the sensations that he then felt towards Mary Grey. Ere long they parted, and while she with her father wended on towards the court of the Emperor, Sir John Grey acting as a sort of precursor to the more splendid embassy soon after sent by Henry V, the young knight followed the Count of Charolois de Dijon and Besançon, and aided to raise that force with which John the Bold soon after took the field against the rival faction of Armagnac, then all-powerful in the court of France. End of chapter 34